What up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. Misfits, sometimes I don't have good financial spending habits. Like that time I built a supercomputer out of PlayStations. That was expensive. And fruitless. Our personal finances intertwine directly with our faith, and they are a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Much like how we spend our time and effort, how we spend our money and treat our financial mindset can lead us to either amass great wealth or live a life of mediocrity. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up measure for themselves as a firm foundation, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That scripture is about being a good steward, both in our money and our time. And that's where my guest tonight comes in. Donovan Brooks is host of the Building Stewards podcast, which is a podcast about where our faith and finances meet. Donovan is an author, financial planner, podcaster, and a father. And he's the owner of Storyline Financial Planning. He's been featured in articles from Bankrate, Credit Karma, Investopedia, and the Wall Street Journal. We discuss how our finances relate to our walk with Christ, the recent fallout with the Robinhood investing app and meme stocks, and what it takes to be a good steward in our relationship with Christ. Misfits, I want to be a good steward of your time. So let's get right to it. Please welcome Donovan Brooks. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. Donovan Brooks, welcome to the Misfit Heroes podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. So I wanted to give you a heads up first. I've been listening to your podcast for the last couple of days, and I mean, it's super informative. It's a great listen, and every episode is fairly quick to listen to. It's kind of easy to listen to, and your voice is actually pretty calming. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. The more I, I just upgraded microphones just within the last four or five months. And something I hear a lot is, is you have that radio voice. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad you like it because I think we're all self-conscious self a little bit to our own voice. So uh, I'm glad <laughs> um, I'm glad it, you've enjoyed it. And I try to keep it really simple, but get into the, the technicalities enough to where people can get some education from it. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you for tuning in. So Misfits, if you're not familiar with Donovan, Donovan's host of the Building Stewards podcast, and I'm going to let him tell us about it. What's the Building Stewards podcast about? What's the story behind it? And what made you want to start this podcast? Podcasts are one of my favorite mediums to digest content. And so I have numerous podcasts on my phone that I, I listen to. And so I like to write too, and I've dabbled in video a little bit, but I just like heard a lot of people say, if you like to listen to podcasts, try creating content on that medium and that platform, because typically you will be able to do it a lot easier than the other platforms and it'll be more enjoyable. So that's kind of really what got me into it. I create a lot of content that kind of aligns finances and faith. And so that's really what the Building Stewards podcast is to educate, encourage, um, and engage people on their stewardship journey. So I really try to stay within where faith and finances meet and really kind of provide value in that realm and, and 
do it in a in a way that's just super applicable um, and easy to digest. So that's kind of what my podcast is about. Where are you from? What's your background? What's your story? What, what made you get into it? Right. So I am here in middle America in Northwest Missouri. I grew up in the kind of suburbs of Kansas City. Go Chiefs, go Royals. That's probably what you most people would kind of identify with Kansas City. So that's kind of where <laughs> I grew up. And I went to college and got a degree in financial management and financial services. I just kind of love finance and I knew I wanted to work with people. And so that's kind of how I got started in the industry. Quickly realized that I wanted to really work with Christians. I wanted to really not have a barrier between kind of ministry and my calling, which was helping people with their personal finances. It's really hard for me to keep those compartmentalized because they have so much overlap um, and you really can't separate one from the other. You can, but it's really hard to kind of take those hats off and kudos to people that can do that. Um, It was just a struggle for me and just there's just so many areas within personal finance when it comes to like our Christian faith that are just countercultural to what the secular financial world says. And so I really was kind of called, I felt God calling me to step into that a little more and just say, hey, give this a shot. This is an opportunity where I need more laborers. And so that's kind of how I got into that opportunity. Well, your show is called the Building Stewards Podcast. And right off the bat, I kind of want to ask you a little bit, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good steward? And what does it mean to build a steward? When it comes to personal finance, it's, it's it's so polarizing, I should say. But really to step back and say, what does it mean to be a steward? The very first thing, you know, when it comes to stewardship is to realize that God owns it all. Um, We see that numerous times in scripture, God owns it all. So if God owns it all, like we can't own it at the same time if God owns it. He created everything and we need to step back and accept that, that God owns it all. And so if we accept that as a truth, then we need to accept the fact that we are just stewarding what he's entrusted to us. And so that's that role of steward. And when you start to take that role, when you accept that truth, you start handling your finances very differently than if you see everything that you possess as your own. And so that's really kind of the, the whole theme of stewardship. Uh, and then the building stewards title really just came from me just wanting to invest into building and encouraging other stewards just because it's a journey. It's a journey that really doesn't end, you know, until we're called home, right? Everyone's in a different stage on the spectrum of stewardship. And so when I created that podcast and I created that title, I just wanted to help encourage people on their journey of stewardship and help build them up. So that's kind of where that name came from. Well, like I said, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of the shows and Misfits, if if you check him out, the episodes, I don't think I heard one that was longer than like 25 minutes. They're very concise and they're very informative the entire time. I learned a lot, to be honest. And, you know, you mentioned that your podcast, it interweaves our financial life and our faith life and it sort of melds them together. So can you give us a little insight into that? I mean, how does our financial life intertwine with our faith walk? Great question. Great question. I think first and foremost, our financial life should be evidence of our faith. And I like to say like our personal finances, how we spend our time and our money really tell a lot about what we prioritize and value. And we can't fake stewardship. That's one thing I learned early on. Um, It can't be faked. There's always going to be a paper trail. There's always going to be very clear evidence. We can try to fake it, but when it comes down to it, we'll always see what is most valuable to us and what we're prioritizing through how we handle our time and how we handle our money. And so when it comes to stewardship, there's just so much overlap from where we spend our money, how we give, how we even invest. And that's that's a whole nother, I think a whole nother topic for another episode. But everything that we have chosen to believe about money is either from the gospel and from scripture, or it's from the world. And I don't blame people, you know, for believing what they've learned from the world, because if you're not taught by your parents, um, and you're not 
taught in some sort of you know educational setting that incorporates scripture, then you just kind of believe what's kind of put in front of you. And I get it. I get it. Most of us are like that. And it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of opportunity to pass you know that wisdom on that is rooted in scripture when it comes to stewardship. So all in all, there's just so much overlap. Literally everything we have uh, within our personal finances can be traced back to just how we're stewarding. Every financial decision is a spiritual decision when it comes down to if you truly believe that you're a steward, every financial decision is a spiritual decision. Everything is God's. It's it's not ours. That applies to money and that applies to time and that applies to everything in our lives as a whole. I think you're spot on with that. I was listening to one of your episodes a little earlier and you went over some current events. One of the big things that's been going on in the financial markets right now is what's going on with the app Robinhood. It's a trading app for the stock markets and what's going on with GameStop and some meme stocks. You actually explained it very well in your episode. I was wondering if you could go over that with us since it's sort of a current event and explain what's going on with stock shorting and can you kind of explain it in layman's terms a little bit? Because I'm not necessarily sure there's a lot of people that understand how that applies as believers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll try to do my I'll try to do my best. Uh, so when it comes to investing, there's really two postures, two positions that you can take. You can be long, and this means you're optimistic about the future of a company or a stock. And so how this kind of language is made into more common terms is we're playing the long game. Um, you're hopeful, you're optimistic. The opposite position is a short position. That means you're you're doubtful. You think that you're taking a more pessimistic role. You think that the company or stock is going to do worse in the near future. So those are the two positions. So what happened with GameStop was there were a bunch of hedge funds that took aggressive strategies and they shorted GameStop, the stock. And they said, hey, based on the financials, based on what we're seeing, based on the trends of GameStop, we don't think they're going to be doing very well in the near future. So we're going to take a short position. We're betting against them. And so a lot of people kind of announced this, some analysts and kind of made its way into the news that these companies, these hedge funds were shorting GameStop and Reddit, which was a, a huge, had a huge involvement subreddit called Wall Street Bets, kind of assembled uh, an army of buyers that kind of grew up really loving and cherishing GameStop. I remember GameStop in our mall and I remember always going to GameStop before we left. And what they did is they were buying the stock. They were buying the stock to drive the price up. They were long. They were, took the very opposite position as these hedge funds. So whenever they were buying the stock and driving the price up, it forced these hedge funds out and it forced them to lose money on it. And it was stepping back. It's really kind of a symbolic move of one, Main Street kind of being tired of Wall Street, gaming the system and having always having a hand up and having you know a lot of conflicts of interest and being able to manipulate markets that's really what one of the big big things was some other redditors you know saw it as an opportunity to make some money and you know they hopped on the train too so all in all that's kind of what happened with it and then Robinhood kind of kind of got caught up in the middle with the volume and the influx of everything that was going on they shut down trading for you know a handful of these meme stocks and Based a lot of backlash from that. Stepping back and looking at it and some of the news that has come out, it wasn't so much as, you know, this conflict of interest that a lot of people thought it was, but them them covering their interest because of how much volume was being done and they didn't have enough cash to cover the positions. Uh, so without getting too much into it, everyone kind of got, <laughs> you know, taken by the storm in this kind of event that went on, but uh, a lot to learn regardless in everything that's happened. And I think as new information continues to come out, there's just a lot we can learn from from an, an event like that. But one one last thing I'll say before I hand it back to you, Chris, 
about Robinhood and where a lot of people are upset is how platforms like Robinhood make their money. And for me, being in the industry, um, I kind of have the curse of knowledge. I know how these platforms make money. But if you're an investor on their platform that's you know having free trades, when you found out how they're making their money, it was upsetting. And so how Robinhood makes a lot of their money is they sell the orders, the trade orders. It's called order flow. They sell them to these different market makers. And some of these hedge funds and some of these other bigger organizations were the buyers of that. And so you can kind of see how there would be a conflict of interest or how it looks like there would be a conflict of interest in the same moment. And so there's just so much that we can learn from this, but that was another whole nother piece of the puzzle that you know ruffled everyone's feathers. We spoke a little earlier and I didn't mention this to you, but I recently found out about a website called Open Insider. Are you familiar with that website? I don't think so. It's very similar to the Wall Street bet situation, but basically what they've done is they, they looked at the, I believe it's the SEC filings of corporate CEOs and what people were trying to do was mimic the investing profiles of those corporate CEOs. And it is a little bit concerning to see how these things are playing out with Robinhood, with the meme stock, because it wasn't just GameStop. It was it was a number of other companies and things like that. And, and they started noticing that they started noticing that a lot of the CEOs are kind of betting against their company a little bit. It's a little interesting. If, if you get a chance, I mean, yeah, I definitely would, would look into it. It's interesting to see how those are playing out. Absolutely. And, and even though I haven't heard of that website, I've heard of that strategy taking a lot more momentum lately, people kind of mimicking executive um, investor strategies and what they're doing. So I, ha- I have heard of that. And just with how readily available information is, and even some of the regulatory information that has to be procured and be made available, you can find just about anything on the internet. And so I, that makes a lot of <laughs> sense that you know, there's a, a group of people out there um, wanting to know how executives are investing their money as they should. I think that you know, definitely should be made available. You know, it made me wonder, and I'm actually, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this based on the content of your podcast. So as Christians, I've heard a lot of people tell me that playing the stock market is, you know, the name of the form on Reddit was Wall Street Bets. I'm interested to hear your perspective as to whether or not there is a side of the stock market that really equals a game of chance, or is it more presumed risk? Like, is playing the stock market a game of chance, or is it a solid investment strategy? Right, right. That's that's a great question. So, Investing in general is a solid strategy to grow wealth over time. I think when you get into the stock market and start speculating, that's when it becomes more gambling and you're trying to land a big winner, like speculative investing. And I have no doubt that there are parts of the brain that light up, you know, in the same way that you're gambling or you're investing in a speculative way. And when I mean speculative investment, I mean companies that don't have proven, you know, solid financials, companies that it would take a lot for, you know, a stock price to really get to a point where you're making, you know, money off of it. But when we look back, when we talk about investing and look back, I read a book recently called Investing with Integrity. Great read. I, I encourage anyone that is interested in biblically responsible investing, which I won't get into much right now, but there's really been this veil in the last decade or so, and this separation and this barrier between investing and the consequent ownership role. Because that's what investing is. When you buy something, when you buy a stock, or you buy a fund, a fund that is made up of stocks, 
you own that company. It's ownership. And it's no different than buying something for your house. But when you buy these stocks, you become owners in them. You are in it with them. You're a stakeholder. You are in it for the good and the bad. You can even break it down to say like, you know, I'm investing in this company. Do I believe in their values and their vision and what they're trying to do to change the world? And so there's been a big veil there with investing in the last decade or so. When people buy something, it's all digitally. You don't get a piece of paper anymore, stock certificate, which is how they used to do it. And so it's really just this constant exchange of you know shares of an investment for money. And that ownership role has really been lost. And as Christians kind of stepping back, we should be mindful of what we buy because what we buy is what we own and what we own and what we have in our possession is something we're a steward of. And so we need to be really mindful of that. So to step back, there are speculative pieces of investing that are fool's game. It is gambling. I'll kind of say it straight up. But when you get into how are we going to steward? How are we going to build wealth? Are we investing for this ownership mentality? There's a lot of opportunity and a lot of great things that can happen in that area. I agree. You know, going back to what you're saying about the types of companies that were involved in, in this, a lot of them seemed like companies that I remember hearing about from the 90s. And I know that they still have plenty of business operations that are relevant today. But I mean, you hear the names of some of the companies, you know, I remember uh, Nokia was one of them, which I remember Nokia cell phones like from yep. 94 they're like indestructible <laughs> yeah yeah it was my first cell phone was the nokia yeah exactly and one of the other ones was blockbuster like i think there's one functional blockbuster store in america right now it's pretty amazing to me you know and it's interesting to see that there's a little bit of almost trolling in the stocks that the people on wall street bets on reddit were looking into it one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about as well is cryptocurrency. What are your thoughts on cryptocurrency and how does that relate to our walk as Christians? Yeah, I know enough about cryptocurrency to be dangerous. <laughs> so <laughs> I I can see I see a lot of advisors that have incorporated it and kind of see it as being the the future. I see both sides of it, but Cryptocurrency, for those that, that may not know, you probably hear Bitcoin, you hear Ethereum, you hear cryptocurrency in general on the news and kind of like, what is this? What does this mean? What does it mean for me? Uh, but in short, cryptocurrency is a digital currency that utilizes cryptography, code and encryption. And I will say I am bullish on blockchain technology, which is kind of what it's built upon and the potential of what it can be. And blockchain technology is pretty much this general ledger that makes it to where not one organization, it's not a centralized currency. It takes multiple points of confirming of transactions to keep this general ledger accurate. So in short, that's one of the big things that a lot of proponents push about cryptocurrency is that it's not backed by government. It is completely opposite of what's called a fiat currency, where a government you know, has created a currency and pretty much has their, you know, reputation, you know, tied to it. And fiat currencies typically aren't backed by any commodities either. So when you look at the US government and their ability to make money, pretty much, quote unquote, print money, that's what a lot of people are scared of. And you see a lot of these countries that do that and just totally ruin a currency. And you know, their citizens are just going through a lot of terrible things. Um, so cryptocurrency is stepping away from that, decentralizing it, making it accessible by everyone. And that's one of the cool things is to think about is cryptocurrency can be exchanged from halfway around the world and can be a great store of value for people that maybe live in countries where their currency is really 
really volatile. You know, their fiat currency maybe might be really volatile. So the beef that I have with cryptocurrency right now is yes, it is a currency, but it, it's also like an asset. And so right now it has the characteristics of both, but only one is primarily being used. It's being treated as an investment. And so that's when we see a lot of the volatility. Let's just say Bitcoin. Um, you see a lot of the volatility with it. It's being bought and sold as an investment. It's, it's rarely being used as a currency right now because it's too volatile for people to really depend and use it as a currency. And even right now, Bitcoin, the majority of Bitcoin is still owned by very few owners. And that's concerning too, that it's not as widely adopted that we might think. But when anytime you think about it being controlled by, I won't say a handful of people, I saw a statistic once, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's most of Bitcoin is you know owned by a very few amount of people. Um, and those people that got in really early on when Bitcoin was really cheap and had the, the resources to really take a speculative approach towards it and double down on it. And even if you look at someone that were to sell, you know, their entire holding, it would send a shockwave through that specific cryptocurrency. So I, I think it has the potential to do a lot of good things and, and be a great alternative currency and a store of value for people that especially need it because of maybe their demographic and kind of where they're at in the world. Uh, but right now it's being treated as an investment and just my philosophy based on investing, you have to be really mindful about what you're investing in. And are we investing in it just to make money? Is like, is that the reason why we're doing it? I would challenge everyone, if you're investing in something just to make money, you probably need to, to rethink kind of your approach um, towards investing. Or are you investing to own something that has the potential to do a lot of great things in the world because you're part owner with that. So that's, that's the only thing I would challenge. I'm not gonna look down on anyone that has any investment in cryptocurrency. I would just cautious people to really understand what they're investing in. Um, a lot of people have gotten burned in cryptocurrency because they didn't fully understand the mechanics of it. But I'm, I'm bullish. I'm, I'm hopeful that it has an opportunity to do a lot of great things in the world. One of the things that I notice with any type of cryptocurrency, and I'm just going to focus on Bitcoin because that seems to be the one that people tend to focus on. I, I think I saw something that said, you know, in 2009, when it was first released, if you put in $5, the value now is like $200,000. That's tremendous amount of growth, right? But I hear that they are struggling with finding places to use it as an actual currency. I love the idea behind the blockchain, like you mentioned, and I love the idea behind the private privacy aspect of it. And I also love the idea of cryptocurrency where there is a set amount and it changes how we deal with inflation and just printing out more money. But I think the main aspect that I'd like to talk to you about with it is the mentality behind an investment product like that. You said that you're concerned about somebody's mentality about the sort of dopamine rush that comes along with some type of gain of any type. Can you speak to that a little bit, you know, about the actual mentality towards finances? Because I think there's a disconnect with people when we talk about our financial issues and our faith issues. One thing I like about your podcast is that you bring them together. Can you speak about that a little bit? What is the proper outlook to have towards money? Money is asymptomatic, and I talk about that a lot on my podcast. It's neither good nor bad. It's really how we use it, right? We see in scripture, it's not money that's evil, it's the love of money. And so when I talk about money, it is a tool. It is a tool to do a lot of great things. We can use it to cultivate. We can use it to build up. We can use it to do so many great things, but we can also abuse it and uh, use it in, in a poor fashion. And just like everything, the, the enemy is going to try to maneuver his way into our lives and 
you know, manipulate things that are good and to lie to us and think that we're, we're using this in a good way when oftentimes we aren't. So money is a tool. And first and foremost, we need to realize that it is a tool. It's, it's also a testimony. How we use our money is a direct testimony of our transformation as Christians, how we have been impacted by the gospel and really allowing the, the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. And the whole world's watching, right? Christians and non-believers can observe kind of how we're handling money. So we need to be mindful of that. And then also it's a test. It's a test of our faithfulness in God. And so what, I, what he's entrusted to us, those that have been faithful with little will be given little and those that have been faithful with much will be given much. So that's kind of how I looked at money. And that's kind of how I've been educated is it, it's a tool to do great things or to not do very good things. Uh, it's a testimony and it's a test of our faith and it's a testament. So kind of putting those three together and having that mentality, I think is the great foundation to start when it comes to handling money as Christians. And one other thing I will say about where kind of money meets our faith is just with everything else, it's encouraged to have accountability right? We've never been looked down upon for not having accountability in other areas of our life. But money and personal finances typically is an area that not a lot of people seek accountability for. And I get it. It's it's a revealing part of our lives. It's revealing our finances and talking about our finances. There's something about it that people just don't want to do, whether it's judgment or fear or anxiety. But I will say those that are maturing you know, in their faith and including personal finances and money, they have some sort of accountability in place to keep them in check when it comes to money and our walk as Christians. Money's talked about so much in scripture it's warned against so much in scripture. And it's done that for a reason. It's, I call money a gateway idol. It's the gateway to just about any other idol that exists because money can buy just about anything. And so that's, I think, one of the reasons why it's talked about so much in scripture is because of its just inherent danger to allow us to buy power and influence for us to live a life of comfort to further just this greedy mentality. And so there's just so much that we can be led away because of money. I think it was Tim Keller. He was talking about his book. I think it was in Counterfeit Gods. He was talking about how he sees a lot of people for a lot of different reasons and they'll confess just about every sin. But he said, no one ever confesses that they're greedy. Yet more of us are greedy than we think. So Donovan, one of the things that I wanted to do, I, I want to step away from money for a second. Let's talk about your walk and your faith. Were you always raised in a Christian household? Tell me about your story. What happened when you were saved? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in, I would say, yeah, a Christian family. I mean, grew up going to church on Sundays and did all the things of kind of the cliche Christian family, but taking some time as an adult, reflecting on it, I didn't see a lot of the faith played out in a family dynamic the way that I now think it should be. I'm actually adopted. I was adopted at 18 months and that has a huge impact on my story. I've kind of grown to appreciate adoption so much. And my actually my oldest daughter is adopted, but there's just so much in scripture when we look at just the theme of adoption and just us as Gentiles being adopted into the family of God. And so that has been a huge portion of my walk and continues to, you know, just contribute to my journey as a believer. But I would say kind of growing up, I kind of did this kind of prodigal son, you know, <laughs> kind of a, a turn. I kind of got off, got off the path and just, you know, decided that I wanted to be my own God. I wanted to do things my own way. I thought I knew what was best and I wanted to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. 
And I thought that was going to be life-giving and to complete me. And, you know, that lasted probably, I I would say, kind of high school and, you know, into most of college until I eventually kind of found out, like, doing all these things, like, I kind of hit rock bottom and there was just not a lot left. And I remember thinking kind of at the lowest point, like, is this it? Like, is this what life is? Like, do I feel full? Do I feel alive? Do I feel satisfied? And I was like, no, I don't. And then just like started thinking like, well, what if, what if that God thing like was everything that I learned to be true, you know, growing up and just going to church and Sunday school and all those things. And, you know, that's kind of when I started to start to walk back and refocus on Christ kind of early in my 20s. And that's kind of really when he started to change my heart because I allowed him to, to take up residency, you know, within my heart. And, and then I met my wife and, you know, she was a believer. She was a big part of, <laughs> she was a big part of just coming back to Christ. I think God, you know, uses women to, <laughs> to, to get to men. That's one of the easiest ways. I, I think it's a very strategic way, but I'm thankful for her. And she was doing ministry through college for an organization called Young Life. And um, that was just really attractive, uh, uh, what she was doing and how she was loving kids and just proclaiming the gospel. And so that was another huge part of me just really kind of coming back to surrender to God. Um, and again, so it, I, w- I would categorize it as just kind of this prodigal son, just leaving, kind of going out on my own, thinking I knew what was best, but then humbly coming back and just like confessing, like I didn't have anything. I I was a fool. Like, please take me back. So that's kind of how I would summarize my walk. I love hearing that. You said you've got two children. You're literally building stewards. (laughs) Can you speak to that a little bit? I recently had my first child. He'll be two in June. Can, Can you speak to that a little bit? Building the stewards in your children and in your family. Can you speak to some insight into that? Absolutely. And I love that you hit on that stewardship isn't just about money. I think that's a very great point you make. And, and I make it a lot of my podcast. It's not just money. It's literally everything that we have in our possession. So if you, you know, you look at your time, you look at the, the truth of the gospel, you know, that's something that we steward. You look at, if you have influence, if you're in a position of influence and power, that is something you steward. So any, anything, if you were to kind of step back and reflect on your life and what you have available to you, that is something you're stewarding. So I, I thank you for making that point because it's exactly what you said. It's more than just money. Kind of stepping back into the familial dynamic of stewardship and, and money, more is caught than taught really just kind of a taking that to heart when it comes to raising tiny humans and, and having kids of our own. They're picking up on every, they're sponges. They, <laughs> I think everyone would agree kids are sponges. They will repeat things that you've said that you don't even recall. They'll do things that you've done that you don't even recall. And so that's one thing that I will say when you're kind of raising your kids and you're looking at personal finances and money and stewardship in general, more is caught than taught because we don't always talk about things, but we do things pretty habitually. And it's like second nature for a lot of these things. And so we can't take our kids to places we haven't been. And so if you're looking at how do I pass on this and how do I raise a good steward, we need to step back and look look at our own lives. Like how are we stewarding as a husband and wife or a parent? How are we stewarding our finances, because we can't hope to pass that on to our kids if, if we're not doing it ourselves. So that's something that was pretty convicting to me that I, I learned from some wise people, Ron Blue in particular, you have to like have a transformed heart and you have to be working on yourself before you can even hope to pass anything on. So those are the two things that I would say is you can't take 
your kids anywhere that you haven't been. And just more is caught than taught. Those are two powerful lessons that I've learned and that I've really started to kind of implement in our family, but then also as I work with clients and and even as I create content. Well, Donovan, I want to be a good steward myself and I want to be a good steward of your time. <laughs> this has been this has been a pleasure. I'm really glad that you came on and I really appreciate you coming on to my podcast and talking to me. I mean, this has been super informative as I expected. How can people find you and how can they get involved with you? Thanks for asking that. Yeah, like I said, we've kind of talked about my podcast a little bit, Building Stewards. So if you just search that in your podcast app, if you want to kind of follow me and walk alongside me as I kind of lead people on their stewardship journey. I would love to have you as a listener. And then also, if you just go to donovanbrooks.com, you can also find more about my podcast, but then you can find more about my financial advising practice. That's kind of like my personal brand website that you can just go and find out whichever way you want to to learn more about me. Awesome. Well, Misfits, go check him out. I mean, you will not be disappointed. And like I said, listen to the man's voice. Good night. <laughs> um, hey, I, uh, <laughs> I I really appreciate you coming on. Now comes the big question that everybody pauses at the end of the uh, at the end of the podcast. So I'm excited to hear your answer to this question. The question that I've been asking everybody in 2021 is: What was the last goal that you completed, and what's the next goal that you want to set? Goodness, goodness, goodness! <laughs> uh, this was probably the hardest <laughs> hardest one to think of. So I didn't have a lot of goals set, or even. I had a lot of grace with myself in 2020, which I think a lot of people should have a lot of grace, you know, with themselves for the the pandemic. And, you know, we're still kind of on the on the skirts of it. So uh, I cut myself a lot of slack, but I would say something that I set out and did in 2020 was one launching the podcast. I had kind of had it on my radar for a long time, but it came to a head where there's no other excuse to not launch this thing. Everyone else is literally launching their podcast and it was never an easier time. So that was probably one of the biggest things that I actually stepped out in faith and achieved. Uh, I started my podcast back in September of last year. So that was a nice thing. I also had a couple goals to start a couple networks for some financial advisors that had very similar approaches as I do with the with the effort of like creating valuable content. So I started a, a, a Christian financial advisor network and then a Kansas City financial advisor network to bring other advisors together to really lift the tide for financial advice and content created in those um, specific circles. So those those are a couple of things that I set out to do. And I um, I'm happy that I was able to do just recently. So in regards to looking forward, oh, goodness, I, I'm kind of caught right in here. <laughs> I am not good at setting goals. Uh, I've kind of been more process driven and systems driven. So I don't have anything specific that stands out. But I guess I started out, uh, I wanted to read the New Testament this year. And I guess that would probably be the goal that I kind of have clung to and been very diligent about kind of sticking to. And just because there's in, in my capacity, my professional capacity, I can get caught up in reading so much professional stuff um, and neglect kind of the spiritual and scripture. And so that's what I would say is starting and finishing the New Testament this year. Well, that that's awesome. Actually, you know what, Donovan? We literally just started a small group at my church using the YouVersion Bible app where we are doing the New Testament in 60 days. My wife is going to love me for mentioning that because she was one of the ones that started that group. So hey, if you want a little accountability, you're, <laughs> you're welcome to join in, man. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Sixty days. That's a that's a lot. I I um man, that's that's a lot of information. Pretty quick. I'm I'm guilty. I, my past self is is really guilty for just uh just blasting through scripture and 
not allowing space to really ruminate in it and digest it. So I'll keep in contact with you and kind of keep me um, accountable for the New Testament for 2021. But I don't know if I can make it happen in 60 days. <laughs> I appreciate the challenge. Though. No worries. I love it, man. I love it. It's it's interesting as well. I mean, I'm I'm a fairly busy person myself. And I think they do like three or four chapters a day or something like that. But it's like, uh, right. it's it's a task in itself, if I'm being honest. I mean, right, right. So, right. And I would say, I would say the thing about that that is um, attractive is you're doing it in community. You're doing it as a small group where, you know, you're reading it, you're taking it in, but then you're, you know, hopefully discussing it and yeah, sharing in that manner. And so that's, that's something that I, I appreciate seeing you guys do. Well, good talk, Donovan. I, I'm really glad that you came on. This has been a pleasure. And I mean, you've been very interesting and, and you've kept my attention the entire time. I really enjoy your podcast. Please keep doing what you're doing. I think it's a great job. And I'm really excited that you came on to my podcast and talked to me. I, I, I think this has been a lot of fun. So absolutely. It was my, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this guy up, man. Uh, Donovan, thanks again. Misfits, please go check Donovan out. Donovanbrooks.com and the Building Stewards podcast. Thank you again for coming on donovan have a great evening thanks chris you too well misfits we did it that's our episode i want to thank you so much for listening and thanks again to our sponsors if you want to support any of our sponsors there are affiliate links on the sponsors tab of our website at www.misfit-heroes.com you can also find links to all of our social media there so follow us for immediate up-to-date info about the podcast please if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help us out Do us a favor, rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Good or bad, just let us know. Truly Misfits, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next episode, be kind, love one another, and be a hero.